passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18. That makes sense that these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello, everybody. It is John Pollock, and welcome to Rewind to Raw, where we are just coming off of a breezy three-hour edition from Detroit, Michigan. I am not alone tonight because waiting. He is on vacation and missed a stellar night of Raw. So tonight, stepping up to the plate to join me to go through the Chronicles of Raw. I'm sure this man has plenty of theories on tonight's show. I'm talking about the man whose name we will never drop. He is Brother Nate Milton. What is going on, Brother Pollock? I'm glad to be reunited, man. It feels like it's been a while since we've talked. So all day today, knowing that we were going to talk tonight after Raw, I, I felt an energy, John. I, I felt anticipation. I felt adrenaline. In my soul, because I knew we were going to talk about Cody Devontae Rhodes, brother. So I'm excited for uh, for, for for this show that uh, this show that that will be much better than the show it's reviewing. I can already guarantee that as a fact, my friend. I think I think that is it, and I think we should uh, put the cards on the table here that you were not exactly stoked about doing Raw, but the Cody Rhodes show that is really what uh, what brought you into this. Yes, I believe my exact words were when you uh, extended the gracious invitation, man, were uh, not exactly thrilled. It's a hard pass on Raw, but it's uh, a hard accept, if that's a thing, on talking with you and, and talking about Cody. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad, you know, we, we uh, sat through uh, a lot of stuff that in the long run is probably going to be inconsequential, but I think the good stuff, the good parts of this show are going to be really interesting to discuss. And I'm, I'm glad to uh, be able to deal with you again, man. Uh, it is great to have you on the show here, Nate. And uh, we haven't had a chance to chat uh, since WrestleMania. And obviously uh, Cody Rhodes, a big part of uh, WrestleMania with the return. Uh, but just tell me a little bit, kind of your Coles notes version of the two night uh, WrestleMania and what the, what the big elements were that are going to be involved with kind of this, this post-WrestleMania period for the company? Because it was built around a lot of names that were coming that are not around for this post-Mania, with Cody being the major exception. I thought night one was fantastic. You know, I, I, I'm not one to give faint praise to the WWE, but when it's earned, when it's deserved, uh, I have to give it to him, man. Night one was Excellent, you know, with Bianca and Becky, with Charlotte and Ronda, with the Austin involvement, and of course with Cody and Seth. Uh, the only thing I think I would have changed or maybe tinkered with is putting Charlotte and Ronda on night two, because I feel like that night lacked a bit of something 
and also I feel like Charlotte and Ronda got lost in the shuffle after the fact because there was so much great surrounding them. Uh, night two was, it was what it was. It was fun. Um, you know, I think the jackass match was kind of, your mileage may vary <laughs> on that. Uh, same with the Pat McAfee stuff. So I think they gave us a little bit of something for everybody. Uh, but in terms of that first night, I, I went to bed happy that night with the show they gave us. Is it safe to say, as was touted on uh, tonight's show, that WrestleMania has finally surpassed the Super Bowl? <laughs> it depends on who's playing this year. I mean, if the Jacksonville Jaguars are playing the Washington Commanders, then yes, this year's WrestleMania surpassed that particular Super Bowl matchup. But no, man, come, come on, Vince. We, we will get into this uh this study late later of uh, this uh, this Super Bowl comparison. Did you did you enjoy night one or night two of the Super Bowl? As we are going to uh, compare social engagement uh, to WrestleMania. I mean, night two of the Super Bowl is always the most exciting. You know, mm, I, yes. Like I, I thought for sure that you know um, Matthew Stafford. You know, when they did that injury angle on night one, that the Rams were finished, but. He was able to come back, and, and what a pop he got when he ran back in the SoFi Stadium. So, yeah, night two of, Super, of the Super Bowl was, was definitely my favorite job. Well, we have Raw tonight from Little Caesars Arena in mm. Detroit, Michigan. We would see if this show will deliver or not. Uh, certainly wasn't going to be 30 minutes or less. Uh, so we have Jimmy Smith, Byron Saxton, and back as Corey Graves is off on his honeymoon. Jerry the King Lawler, who is back for uh, a couple of weeks, as we are told. So Jerry Lawler, uh, back in the seat. Did Jerry Lawler leave any kind of impression on you after three hours? Not to disparage that good man, Jerry Lawler, John, because the two of us, along with Way, have a bit of a history with Lawler on Raw going back to, you know, when I visited you guys in Canada. And oh, that's that, right. That scary night uh, with, mm-hmm. with Jerry Lawler. So, you know, first and foremost, I'm glad he's in good health. He's still kicking around. But – he just doesn't fit like he I don't think he's fit for a long time, but we we don't need an extra like it, I wouldn't be opposed to just going to a two man booth for the next two weeks. John, I watch WWE every week and I am told every week you can, this is not a two man job. Minimum three. <laughs> We've got to have three. Sometimes an army is uh, consisting of, uh, of of calling these matches. But, yes, we had Jerry Lawler on the show. Uh, I can't say he really stood out in any kind of way other than uh, he was clearly ready for his uh, his wedding jokes regarding mm-hmm. uh, Corey Graves and Carmella and then probably finding out, oh, you mean we're doing a double wedding next week? I used all my best material this week for Carmella and Corey who are not on the show. So he's got a week of prep for uh, the double wedding. Uh, but we started off the show with Miz TV, and the Miz comes out, and he is insulting Detroit. And when they're booing him, he says, your opinion doesn't count. You cheer for the Lions. And the crowd does not like this because they know that is a fair point. <laughs> and he introduces Cody Rhodes, who comes out to the most ridiculous pyro entrance that I can recall for a talent. Like, it was almost so over the top yes. by design that the announcers were calling it. Like, this was – imagine uh, – just your your regular level of WWE over the topness, and then this times ten. This was a ridiculous display of pyro and fireworks. Yeah, like the pyro budget was blown. I think though, you mentioned last week with Way that with his sincerity, or you know, some people's perspective on his sincerity in his promos, that could be setting up a great heel turn down the line. I think this over the top extravagant entrance is ready made as well. Uh, so yeah, but I think at this point we're all in the honeymoon phase. Uh, sorry, 
King for stepping on your jokes. Uh, but, but we're, we're all still kind of like, this is really happening. Like Cody's really here. Yeah. Miz, uh, makes it. And listen, Cody got a superstar reaction coming out. Yep. And in the absence of a world champion on this show, this does feel like Cody is the top star on this show. He certainly projects that. And that's how this audience took him. Like lots of Cody chants, uh, throughout this promo. Miz jokes about the pyro budget that he received and taking 45 minutes to make his entrance and asks if Cody is an egomaniac. And Cody says, it's been a long time since I've been in front of a crowd like this. And he really plays it up. And the crowd is chanting Cody. Miz then brings up his promo last week and even does a dusty impression and calls his mission statement to win the title his father never did admirable. But if your last name was not Rhodes, you would not be the grandson of a plumber. You'd just be a plumber. Cody calls that clever because I think I'd be a pretty good plumber because Miz, you're full of shit as he pulls up on on cursing on the USA Network. He calls the Miz arrogant, a carny, uh, but says that you embrace it and you're good old reliable Mike. Hmm. And I'm here to win the undisputed WWE Universal Championship dot, 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 belt. And Miz corrects him. A belt holds up your pants. And Lawler gets a howl out of that. Miz then says that Seth Rollins wants a rematch so he can strategize and he does not like his chances against Rollins again or me tonight and that more people were talking about Cody on social media than anyone at WrestleMania, but Miz didn't hide or attack his opponents. He destroyed the Mysterios and Miz knows where Cody's been for six years. This is his show. He's not going to be embarrassed here. And Rhodes gets the last word saying he respects Miz, but knows that Miz feels threatened. He has no issue with Rollins. He would grant him the rematch. Miz has made it personal. And he came back here knowing that he would face hostility. But I came back to beat the best wrestlers in the world as Miz interrupts superstars. And Cody says, may the best man win for tonight's match that the two would have. If you're someone that... uh Loves the idea of WWE being this cult that has its own language. This was the promo for you to get in all your little um, WWE-isms uh, throughout it. But I guess the larger question is how Cody came across in this. Mm-hmm. Like, certainly to the live audience, uh, they saw him as a big star on this show. Do you think uh, that that translated? I do. I, and I one of my worries, not worries, but uh, one of the things that I was interested in was would we see the reaction for Cody follow him from Dallas? Because we know how those WrestleMania crowds are, John. Like, that's the most fervent of your fan base. Mm -hmm. Will that follow to, you know, Detroit on a random Monday or Milwaukee, you know, a month from now? And so that's the thing that I'm most interested in. And I thought that this was a great way to set up the match. And it also sets up, you know, again, further establishes this Cody character. And... Going back to Way's point last week, I feel like those of us that have been watching AEW, yes, it can kind of come across as a little too sincere, a little too polished with Cody. Uh, but for these fans that have primarily been watching this product, I think Cody's a breath of fresh air on the microphone. Like I feel like the way he carries himself, like you said, it, it already kind of elevates him from these characters that we've seen week after week, month after month, year after year. Is it also um, somewhat of a different WWE audience in that, you know, since the return of fans, we have Mm -hmm. certainly seen WWE. They have not been subtle when it comes to uh, manipulating audio. At the same time, we're also not seeing like great examples of, of 
audiences, by and large, reacting differently to the direction that they're in. Like, Becky was a bit of an omission in there. Um, but, like, Cody is someone that I think, yes, down the road, you can maybe get a heel run out of this. But they, they desperately need a big baby face. And he's a big baby face right now. I think it's very paramount that they uh, maintain this um, and, and don't kind of tread that line that he certainly was in AEW and, and was it was becoming to me a detriment rather than a positive. Yeah. And you know, you, you have a ready-made story and I don't know whether the story culminates at SummerSlam in terms of Cody going for the title, or if you hold off even longer than that, I think the temptation for the company might be too great to hold it off any longer than SummerSlam, but why would you mess that up by doing the easy thing and like, Oh, let's make this guy a heel. So I, I guess that's the one hope always with this company is that they have the foresight with their creative and like this, this should be a layup, John, this should be the easiest booking decision they have to make all year with this Cody Rhodes character. Because as you said, right now people are sold on it. They're completely into it. Don't, don't uh, fix what's not broken. Yeah. And you know, with Cody, like one of the things that I think did drive a lot of people crazy, it did for me was when Cody would go into kind of like, these like insider references or things that are just divorced from the on-screen character that I just thought he was trying to be too clever and he was being more clever than he, he was out smarting himself essentially yeah. on TV in this sense, like you do not want to paint Cody as just a guy that is now part of the WWE mix. And I think little things like referring to the belt or wrestlers, it's not foreign, but it's like, he's the one guy that like, he's coming in here. He's not necessarily adjusting everything to WWE speak. And it's a mm -hmm. small thing, but I think that does at least differentiate him a little as someone that is, that is coming in and not just becoming, you know, a guy in a uniform on this show, because there is a lot of uniformity among these characters. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a prodigal son story, John, like this guy went off to find himself, quote unquote, and you know traveled to all these places did all these things and this is how his story concludes at least for this this uh branch of the journey and so yeah like I, I think cody's been doing great cody's biggest attribute and sometimes it does become a weakness when he leans on it too much is his ability to tell a story you know i'm thinking back to the uh aldis match at all in a few years ago like that's a match on that card with all those other great matches that might have gotten lost in the shuffle, but I think he was able to tell a great story. And Cody's at his best. You know, the match with Dustin, you know, in, in AEW. Like, Cody's at his best when he can tell us a story. And so, hopefully, he'll be able to tell the story he wants to tell in this company, and they will be able to make sure that the story stays on track. So the end of the segment saw Miz try to go and jump Cody, but he gets outsmarted and dumped to the floor, and that ended the segment. So uh, Cody and Miz uh, later on in the program. Up first, Dominic Mysterio is out mm. all by his lonesome to take on Veer Mahan. He is fighting his father's battle here. So uh, Rey Mysterio had been promoted for this match with Veer Mahan, and we didn't get any explanation to my understanding, unless it was a, a quick line. Uh, I heard nothing about why Rey was not there. Later, we'd see a similar situation where Rhea Ripley was off, and they did actually state on the broadcast that she is, quote, in protocol. So... Mm. No explanation here for Ray. Um, if it was a matter where he just was not available, that is possible. I do think this was one that if you had at least explained that Ray 
for whatever reason, he's hurt. He's unavailable. Mm-hmm. It gives some explanation as to the post-match attack, why Ray is not there. Like, without addressing that, it's kind of like the, the elephant in the room is, where is Ray? And that could have just been explained. Like, we had promoted this match with Ray, but unfortunately, for whatever circumstances, he is not here. Dominic has decided to take the match while Ray is at home. And that gives you the, the reason for the post-match that, you know, Ray doesn't come to his son's aid. Yeah, like, I'm not sure, John, about the protocol for child protective services in Detroit, but Ray was being a negligent father tonight, the way he left left Dominic out there all by his lonesome. Uh, but with Veer, and I'm interested to hear your opinion on this, John, I feel like Veer's got a really unique, like, he stands out. Like, you can't miss the guy when he walks onto your screen, but I'm not connected to this dude as a character. They, I don't think they've given me a reason to be connected yet. And so during this match, I'm just like doing Wikipedia and stuff. And I was like, oh, Veer was like one of the kids from that million dollar arm movie. Like that man boy- literally has a movie that was adapted from his life story. Yes. So let's change his name. Uh, this it's, it's like Braun Breaker where. We're going to make all these Steiner mm-hmm. references during his match, but we can't call out who he is. It's the yep. same here. Look at that million-dollar arm. It's like, wink, wink. This is like, a, a, you know, this guy was a giant subject of this movie. He's a huge star, at least uh, was for the, this movie uh, in India, but we have renamed him, and we can't make any allusions to this yep. beyond million-dollar arm. Yeah, because I, I would much rather hear the story of this kid that had this movie and all this fame and then, you know, I guess injuries caught up to him and he wasn't able to take it to the next level in baseball. And so he found his passion in wrestling. Like, that's a better story than this this brute with no backstory that you're giving me right now. Well, it was a very short match. It went two minutes here. Uh, Dominic went for a Pescado, and Veer was supposed to catch him, but in doing so, he nearly crashed, or well, he did crash into the barricade, but held on to Dominic, clotheslines him on the floor. This is where we get the million-dollar arm reference, and then another one in the ring. The crowd was totally dead for the match, and he applies the cervical clutch as Dominic immediately taps out. Afterwards, he continues to apply the hold. Now, the crowd did get loud for the post-match, booing Veer as our agents were out. Uh, Petey Williams, Sean Davari, all out here. And Dominic ends up being taken out on a stretcher and taken away in an ambulance. And I just think that you could have just worked this in that, hey, we promoted this match. Ray is not here Mm -hmm. because I think that's the big question that anyone would be asking is, where was Ray? Also, John, am am I a bad person for not feeling a lot of sympathy or empathy here for oh, Dominic Mysterio? Nate. I'm just like, like, hey, it, it happens sometimes. You got to see it through. <laughs> yes. So is is Ray going to be next in the crosshairs of Veer? I mean, it it makes sense. Like they've already set it up. And did, did you did you imagine like with this push that Veer is getting that this would have been Ray losing in two minutes? Do you think that they would have done it so one sided with Ray? No, I think they would have given Ray a little bit more just out of respect for who he is. But ultimately, I think the outcome would have been the same. But Ray, to that point I just made about Dominic, Ray has sympathy built in with the crowd from years and years and years of being in this business, whereas Dominic doesn't. So I feel like if you did the same thing, maybe the match is a little bit longer, but you do the same beat down with Ray, it's more effective than than what we got tonight. Kevin Patrick uh, interviewed Veer and asked him why he did that. He strikes fear in the heart of any man. That was his message. 
Schreiber caught up with uh, AJ Styles earlier today, and he says he's afraid of what he is going to do to Edge and Damian Priest. They talked about his family, so now he's going to throw hands. And he spots Damian Priest walking by, and he goes after and attacks him, as Jimmy Smith notes, that we saw the pit bull come out of AJ Styles, which takes us into our match. This will be quite the uh, the discussion here of this match. Mm. That uh, what, a, what a climax. So Priest uh, did an inset promo at the beginning. He pledged his loyalty to Edge, and tonight he proves he deserves to be by his side. AJ will be Exhibit A, and tonight will be his Judgment Day. I think I said that with way more uh, personality than anything that came out of Damian Priest here, because it seems like his new... I've heard this guy cut fine promos. Yes. He is so monotone in this character, and uh, it's obviously by design. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not like a he's fan a minion. of it. He's a minion of Edge that has no... Yes. He, he, has, he has traded in his personality for this association. And we'll talk about it later, like once we get into the meat of the match, John. But yeah, it feels... Like I'm hoping the end result, the end goal of this is to elevate Damien, but right now it's it's like you took what was working at points with this guy and we've muted all of it. Yeah, I mean I I am hardly sold on this um really of the the edge character and the Damien Priest one. I like neither to me have really hit um hit big with me at this point. Uh AJ, it's all AJ at the beginning. He is just uh, attacking him until they go to the commercial. Uh we come back. AJ's forehead is is cut. So this guy's just had no luck uh over over the last uh, uh week or so uh with with multiple facial lacerations. Uh there's an Ushigoroshi for a two count. Priest stops the Styles clash and then he catches AJ, leaps in the air with a flatliner and then he's kicking away at AJ. Goes for the reckoning but it's stopped with a Pele kick and when AJ goes for the phenomenal forearm it is stopped uh with a kick in midair and Priest with AJ on the floor, Damian Priest just comes over into the middle of the ring, gets down on one knee, the lights go out, a spotlight appears on Damian Priest, and we just go to commercial, and that's it. That's your match. <laughs> what? <sighs> yeah. Yeah. This this was, first of all, shout out to AJ, the one positive for, uh, you know, trying to at least approach the Utah uh, scale with, with the uh, cut there. Go but ahead. this was only maybe a one on the, a on one. the, new, the newly formed Utah scale. Uh, but yes. dude, when they interviewed him after, like it wasn't just the one cut. His whole forehead looked marked up. Like I don't know, th- there definitely seemed to be uh, some some clunkiness uh, towards mm-hmm. the latter half of this match. And just seeing his face after, man, it just looks like he got. Uh, he certainly felt this match afterward. Yeah, and and in regards to the finish. Why? Like, that's the main question I had coming out. We don't want to beat either guy, Nate. That's the answer. It's like, how do we get out of this match we Mm -hmm. booked last week? We've already we've already thrown we've already had to change two matches we promoted last week. We can't do a third. We don't want either guy to lose. What if we just turn the lights off? And and, 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 and as someone I, I, I know and someone who I may be speaking to right now has said for years, if you don't want to beat either guy, you don't have to book the match. And so it's like. It it did not serve a purpose to me because at the end of this, Damon did Damien did not look more intimidating. Damien looked like an idiot. Like we're just gonna stop in the middle of the, uh, in the middle of this match and shine a light down, and that's it. No contest. It. I I am not sold, like you said, John, on this edge stable. You know, I'm willing to give it time. I'm willing to, uh, you know, be part of the let it play out crowd at least for a few weeks. But it it's not working for me, and it's a shame because. As you said, like we've seen Damien be good before, uh, but this right now is not it. 
Yeah, and and Edge wasn't on the show either. I don't know if that necessarily was they had any plan for for Edge to be involved in this. But at the very least, like this was a personal battle. You had mm-hmm. AJ cutting this promo. They could have just had this all out brawl, and they they just get separated. I think people would take that a lot more easier th- than this. Uh, this just felt like such a bizarre ending uh, to this match. And when we come back from commercial, Jimmy Smith informs us that power has been restored in the building. So we we just had uh, the power went out. You know what? If it can happen at the Super Bowl, it can happen at Monday Night Raw. Mm. This was their beware of dog moment. Uh, AJ calls this BS. And I could just like just look at his forehead like he just looked all banged up here from from this match. And we go to the Miz and Cody Rhodes. This was at the start of the second hour, earlier than I I thought they would uh, position this. The way this show was laid out, you almost thought, like, maybe they'll just save this till the end. But this went on uh, much earlier. So the bell rings, and Seth Rollins comes out to sit ringside. And they get into the match. Cody tries a Cody cutter early, nearly gets caught in a skull-crushing finale, and then lifts him up and delivers a delayed gourd buster onto Miz. And it's Cody that starts doing push-ups. Miz takes over the advantage, and Lawler notes that Miz has stabbed more people in the back than sciatica. The the, uh, the rim shot is it should be uh, just on standby here for uh, Jimmy Smith to play. We come back from break. Cody screams at Miz, hit me, as he starts his comeback, suicide dive, and then he comes off the top and his knee buckles, which prompts Miz to attack the knee and go to the figure four, and Cody turns it over. I thought Miz was great here. He was like the first guy I bought that would actually tap to this figure four reversal because he was just screaming and screaming but then reached the rope and then a cody cutter and crossroads gets the win uh they showed the replay of him coming off the top with the knee buckling and it's during the replay jerry lawler says i didn't even notice his knee buckled so yes uh that was a key part of the ending here and cody gets the the victory and before we get into the post match how did you think cody looked in his first match on raw since 2016 Mm. I thought it was solid. Like, obviously, it wasn't going to touch what we saw at WrestleMania, but it didn't need to. You know, it just kind of established Cody to this audience. Miz, I feel like Miz, for as much crap as he gets from a lot of corners of uh, the audience and of social media, like, Miz was the perfect choice, I think, for this. You know, starting with the promo to kick off the show and then this match, Miz is like a perfectly reliable, to use that word, dude for this spot. And... You know, I'm so far so good with this this WWE version of Cody Devontae Rose. Like I've I'm I'm not seeing any flaws yet. Yeah, I agree with you. I thought Miz was it, to do like the, the the promo segment to lead to the match later in the show. Miz was like a perfect person to put in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't want to put someone the stature of a Kevin Owens in there th- th- this early. Miz was the perfect opponent to uh, to do this with. Rollins comes in. And Cody is limping. He gestures for the belt. And Rollins suggests the rematch. Cody accepts. And it's later announced for WrestleMania Backlash on May the 8th, joining Ronda Rousey and Charlotte Flair in an I Quit match. So it is a rematch season. Yes. make And this makes sense. Like, this totally makes sense. Uh, and I like this this Seth that we're we're getting right now, where... He's a wild card, John Pollock. He's he's chaotic. You know, maybe he's chaotic neutral. Maybe he's chaotic good. Maybe he's chaotic evil. We don't know what uh, Seth Rollins is right now. And and yeah, I feel like those two guys are going to as good as their match at WrestleMania was. Some people thought it was the match of the show of both nights. I feel like they're going to go out there and try to top it at Backlash. So I'm excited for it. 
That's a high, it's a high bar. Yeah. And yep. I, I agree with you. I think it'll be a tremendous rematch. Uh, they recapped the debut of Ezekiel last week. So Kevin Patrick welcomes in our brand new member to the raw roster, Tommaso Ciampa. What an introduction this was. Ezekiel walks in and welcomes Ciampa to raw. Owens interrupts saying, no, that's Elias. He's a liar. <laughs> Ciampa tells Owens, no, this is Ezekiel. And that's how the segment ended. Tommaso Ciampa managed to be the background player in his own introductory segment. <laughs> oh, this is this is a part of the show, John, where in, in, in full disclosure, I was just like, oh, wow, the, the, <laughs> that's it. Like, there's probably not going to be anything good for the next hour. And, and I'm, I'm stuck here in Detroit with John Pollock watching Raw. But <sighs> this is Ezekiel character. Sorry to interrupt. But to me. Like when he walked out last week, there was about twenty seconds I would say where I was like, "Oh my god, it's it's Elias, neat." Then what? No, yeah. this is this is the joke, and it, yes. we're just going to run it into the ground. I'm sorry, it was like a thirty second mm-hmm. like sight gag, and now we're not moving on. It's just okay. Is it Elias or is it Ezekiel? Like, man, there's got to be a step two to this process beyond this guy and his different look. It's not often that we can credit TNA for doing something infinitely yes, better than right. the WWE. Infinitely better. And Joseph Park was way, way better than whatever they're doing here with Elias and Ezekiel. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not invested in, in, in wherever this story goes. Yeah, this was just a very ho-hum follow-up to last week. Uh, they plugged Championship Tuesday for NXT 2.0 on Tuesday night. And then they put out their their big announcement that WWE tops the Super Bowl in social media impressions, video views, engagements and video watch time. I I don't want to like downplay that these are like unbelievable figures. But when you compare them to the the Super Bowl, it's just like we can't just put out like our own stuff. Ne- never mind the fact that we have we're comparing like two nights of social engagement to one. Nevertheless, still still mm-hmm. impressive. It's still very impressive figures uh but nonetheless it's it's always got to be this uh it feels like we're, we're tricking you yeah it's it's like they're never satisfied with being good like being good isn't good enough it's like it's like if i got a, a ferrari john like that's a pretty cool thing for me but it'd be like if i had that ferrari and i drove up to toronto and i'm like hey john this is the most exclusive rare ferrari in the world it goes 500 miles an hour, and I only have to fill it up with gas once a year. Like, why am I lying? Like, like WWE, you do not have to embellish what your accomplishments are because, yeah, you're right. It is a very, very good brand with WrestleMania. Like, it's getting the engagement and all that stuff. But, but uh, 112 million people are not watching mm-hmm. WrestleMania if it nope. airs on NBC next year. Nope. Like, like, can we just accept that the Super Bowl is much bigger than WrestleMania? And you're inviting this, this comparison for, from yeah. people. It's the same thing with the numbers every year when they announce the attendance. It's like, just stop lying. Just tell, as Will Smith said in Concussion, tell the truth. Well, not not always the the, the strong suit here. But nonetheless, <laughs> uh, we go to Naomi and Liv Morgan. And this is where they know Rhea Ripley was in protocol. Mm. And Sasha Banks is out ringside. So this uh, title match has been delayed a week. Um, 
Early on, uh, Naomi uh, slides to avoid the clothesline. Uh, both are going for uh, Kamigiri's. They go down. Oblivion is avoided by Naomi, and she hits this power bomb. And then they trade covers with Naomi, bridging over into a jackknife and pins her in two minutes and 21 seconds. So uh, th- this is like the uh, most awkward build to a title match as uh, Liv Morgan. They, they lost to the champions last mm-hmm. week, but then Liv won a singles match on Friday. She lost to the other one on Monday uh, with this loss to Naomi but we get the title match next Monday. Yeah. And as much as I was pleased to see Naomi and Sasha win the titles at Mania, like this, they have they ever booked this title strongly? Like I'm trying to think back, like to I, maybe I think, Sasha and Bailey. That like was, the last I think the first, the, the first champions, I thought they, they did establish them off, off the bat with like putting yeah. them on, on two stars and they, they treated it like real titles. And since then it's been a struggle. Yeah. Bobby Lashley comes out. And oh, the, the Nubian Wrestling Advocates main event. Oh, my goodness. So Bobby Lashley is out for the <laughs> VIP lounge segment. But uh, the, the whole set is done up, but no MVP, no Omos yet. And he knows he was not invited, so he has invited himself. He says that Omos is big and scary, and I barely made it out of our match together. And watching that match, I, I completely agreed. Mm. Uh, this man, was uh, he survived it. And he's starting to get the what treatment. And he felt Omos's relentless power and was stabbed in the back like sciatica by one man he thought he could trust in MVP. And he calls out MVP to explain his actions. And if you don't, he threatens to destroy this set, which consists of two couches and a desk. <laughs> this set oh, no. Ashley himself paid for ostensibly. Like MVP didn't set this up. How, how will we ever replace the two couch desk <laughs> motif? So MVP comes out Omos in this decadent blue suit. My goodness. Where where did he go to find this this blue suit? This was custom. Custom made from head to toe. My goodness. And he, MVP threatens to bill him for any destruction of that property. And uh, he's going to be sending Bobby Lashley to Ikea if, if, if there's any damage done here. And he says that Omos is going to wait until the right time and the money is right before he fights Lashley again. MVP then gets into the why of why he turned on Lashley. He says, when I came back to WWE, you were floundering. You were letting some sawed-off runt and wannabe TikTok star lead your career astray. As we got, uh, it looked like some stray bullets aimed at Lana and Leo Rush here. Yes. (laughs) Man, he says Lashley couldn't even sniff a WWE title shot despite his talents until MVP resurrected his career, unlocked his greatness, and you didn't want to share your WrestleMania spotlight with me. I made you. I made you the almighty. And Lashley has to come back, and he says, you showed up here for your farewell tour, but then you latched onto your next meal ticket. You went to the top. I went to the top, even beating Brock Lesnar. And MVP says he was there every step of the way, that's the past. This is the present. And I'm looking at the future in regards to Omos. Omos will take his spot on the top of the mountain. And Omos knows that he needs me. You barely survived your first match with Omos. I promise you won't survive your next one. Uh, I thought at the beginning of this segment, Lashley on his own was, to me, a perfect example of why this guy thrived with an MVP. But once mm-hmm. they got out there, um, MVP was great. 
and he brought I, I thought Lashley with the the uh, the interplay with MVP yeah. uh, was strong stuff here because they were relying on stuff like the audience buys as like legitimate. So I thought overall this turned into a great segment. The match I want to see after this is Lashley and MVP, but we're gonna get Lashley and Omos. Yeah, first of all, MVP is so underrated, man. Like, he was I really great like- in this segment. Like, and, and what he said was a hundred percent true. Like when he got there, they weren't, they weren't doing anything with Bobby Lashley. Uh, and so like, MVP, Th- this is like, the closest we might've got to an impact reference. Yes. What did I do for it? Uh, there's two companies <laughs> I've helped you in now. Yes. Uh, shout out to, uh, MLK. Uh, but I think, and, and this is, this is, you know, let's get to the almost of it all. Uh, you know, I know Chris is listening somewhere, uh, with bated breath. He, he uh, did great here. He stood, he looked great in the yes. suit. Perfect. He was fine. So, like I've always said, like in terms of Omos, I would not have him as a regular week-to-week performer, particularly not at this stage of his development. I feel like, you know, he should be, and it's the example I always use, John, because it's the guy that maybe has gotten the most by doing the least in this business, and it's 911 and ECW. When all he would do is come out, you know, every month and chokeslam somebody, and he was over. And they didn't have to do a lot with that guy. You know, he wasn't out here having five, 10 minute matches. They, they played to his strengths. So I feel like they kind of set Omos up in a bad situation by making him this regular active participant versus more of a special attraction. But since we've gotten here where he's a regular part of your show, I think this is maybe the best case scenario by pairing him with a guy like MVP. And the, the Lashley match is most likely not going to be pretty. But I think the lead up to it is going to benefit Omos in a way that more time in the ring uh, on on live television having matches probably wouldn't. Yeah, t- to me, he's somebody that I think, you know, there's always going to be positives and negatives to where the like the live event schedule has gone. There's some that it, it's a godsend that they're off the road more more time. Like overall, that's a great thing. There's others that, I mean, they, they should be out there and, and working, you know, three, four times a week and, and getting that, that valuable yep. ring time. But that's not the era we're in. And with, with Omos, that's going to be the question of like how much you, you can build up somebody that's at a very uh, elementary level and whether people are, are Team Nate or Team Chris in this debate. <laughs> And the thing is, like, we've seen a bunch of lumbering dudes in this company's history. Like, Vince loves lumbering dudes. Like, going back to, like, your Snitskys and, and, and your Ludwig Borgas and, and your Heidenreichs, even though shout out to Heidenreich for that time he tried to buy weed off of me. Uh, like, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, you know, he, he, he thought I knew where the weed was at, John, and I did not, spoiler alert, know where the weed was in fact at. Uh, but we've seen them do this with, with big guys over the years. And I feel like, with Omos, like he's he's probably never going to be a ring technician, but there is value in the dude, and, and that's my big thing. You know, when when Chris and I have these conversations, it's like you can you can find a way to make this guy a member of your roster that is valuable. Uh, and I think they they didn't do him any favors though the way he was brought in. So hopefully, this run with MVP, they can kind of rectify that, hide some of his weaknesses, and accentuate the strengths that he does have long-term. Do you like this shift for Bobby Lashley as a baby face and also without MVP? I mean, I feel like it's six and one half dozen in the other. Like I like baby face Lashley. I think losing like, as you, as you mentioned, you know, like once they got into the back and forth, Lashley was good, but I feel like MVP and Lashley just worked. 
It worked in Impact. It worked here in the WWE. So I do feel like that's a loss. But him, him doing the solo yeah. promo alone, like that, that to me was tough at yeah. the beginning of the segment. And that's and and you don't have to put him in situations like yeah. that. Yeah, Lashley should not be the guy that's out there cutting rock promos. Like Lashley should be the guy that says little and and then does you know the talking with his actions. Then we went to. Tozawa and Reggie's bachelor party. And yeah. what a bachelor party this was taking place from Little Caesars Arena. Um, every, I'm, I'm sure the, uh, the waiting list was just a mile long to, to get a spot here. And they come out, uh, with our truth. And we learn that Dana Brooke and Tamina are having their bachelorette party the very same night in the very same place. And Reggie has left Dana with the 24 seven title. So truth says they have to go crash the party to be continued. Austin Theory meets with Adam Pierce and Sonya Deville and announces that he is now just Theory. And he has been promised a U.S. title match, which he is going to get next week against Finn Balor. Now, let me ask you this, Nate. Was this not the easiest, for whatever reason, okay? They decide we're dropping your name. You're just going to be Theory. Is it not the easiest segment in the world that there is Vince McMahon watching Back the clip mm-hmm. of him taking that god-awful stunner from Steve Austin on the award-winning WWE Network on Peacock. And he's just giving that Vince growl. He's menacing and just says, I never want to hear that name, Austin, again. As Austin Theory walks in and he's Theory from now on. Is that not yeah. like the easy – if you're going to do one of these silly name drops, just give me something creative. Give me a reason that you're dropping your name. What other sitcom could you imagine? Like Ross telling Rachel, you know what? We were on a break, but now that we're back together, I'm Dave now. I'm just Dave. (laughs) It's a layup. It should be a layup, John. Like, yeah, you know, Vince obviously would feel some type of way about that name, given that he was embarrassed in front of more viewers than people that watched the Super Bowl. Like, it would would make sense for him. And, no, like, it's just one of these other – pointless name changes like the hundreds of other pointless name changes we've got in this program like i like i i love that this dude's been like he's been on the main roster twice now we're like this many years into this guy in the company and now it's you know what's not working that that austin name we we've just got to drop it it's like (laughs) it's a you almost like it's almost like some of the NXT call-ups. It's like mm-hmm. they don't even give thought to the name. So it's like, we'll, we'll rename them. It's like, this guy's been on our TV. We just did a WrestleMania promotion with him, and now it's time to drop the name. And Theory. Like, Theory is not a good singular name. Like, it needs something else around it. it needs- it's also capitalized. If you look at the, the, the style mm. uh, of, of the name, too, it's in capital letters, Theory. Mm, it's all relative. Theory. He's just Theory, and Theory will take on Finn Balor, if that's yeah. still his name next week. Kevin Owens walks in and says he was goaded into a match with Austin, the only Austin that we will now refer to, and uh, he was goaded into that fight while he was hurt, and then he is complaining about Ezekiel knowing that he is Elias, and he wants to see his... He's, he's a birther now. He wants to see his birth certificate <laughs> or his library card. <sighs> And so next week, Kevin Owens is going to host a lie detector test with Ezekiel, which if you think it sounds silly, it probably will be. Mm-hmm. I will say when they did that Mr. America, Vince McMahon one, if you go watch that back, it was highly entertaining. Mm. But it was mainly because Vince McMahon was involved in that at his yeah. peak as a performer. We will see if they have the same range uh, with one Ezekiel. 
I was going to say, like, and honestly, I feel like KO is going to be doing a lot of heavy lifting in this segment, man. Yeah, I, I don't know. This is a this is a bizarre follow up for Kevin Owens coming out of WrestleMania, where I think this has just been. I don't know. I, I just don't see anything in this Ezekiel character unless yes. they, they they add uh, like a a sliver of depth uh, to to this character. Deville then says that Bianca Belair has been asking for her opponent for her first title defense, who it will be against. Deville has made a decision, promises it will be great, but won't tell Adam Pierce what her idea is. That is still to come. So Bianca Belair took on Queen Zelina. They had a short match uh, that culminated with Belair lifting her up for the military press while squatting and then dropped dropped Zelina KOD and pinned her in two minutes and 12 seconds. So Deville comes out. And they go to break for the cliffhanger. Who is the opponent going to be? And she remarked that uh, Bianca's eye looks much better. This thing looked a hundred percent healed from last week. This was this was quite the uh, quite the recovery for Bianca Belair. Yes, I mean she heals the fastest as well. I guess. <laughs> very very nice. And Deville goes over different options she could have: Becky Lynch, Carmella, Alexa Bliss. Or others on the roster, Belair is game to take on anyone. DeVille has an open contract and asks Bianca to sign it, proving she can beat anyone. So Bianca knows what she's trying to do here, but she agrees, signs the contract, could face anyone. And then DeVille does a big introduction for the opponent. We get a drum roll, and with Bianca looking to the entrance, DeVille chop blocks her knee and attacks Bianca, revealing, I'm the opponent. It was me all along. And... Adam Pierce runs out completely aghast at this yes. abuse of power. So we will have Bianca Belair against Sonya Deville. I guess this will be backlash, though they have not announced when this will take place. Adam Pierce might have had my favorite moment of this entire segment when he came out with that concerned look. And it's like he's he's looking so betrayed by Sonya. Never minding the fact that we saw her do this to Naomi, that we saw her do this. <laughs> I like didn't see have something with Sasha. I might be conflating things, but like we've seen Sonya be out here abusing power on these streets john so why adam pierce you need to do something rein her in but i i i think the match will be solid i don't know if i like how they got here because it it i'm not gonna necessarily say it made bianca look dumb but it, it did make her look a bit naive even though she admitted like i know exactly what you're doing but i'm gonna do it anyway like i i, I thought there might have been a better way to get to this match yeah, it was um, you know, it's it's a different direction. I I like Sonya Deville a lot. I think she's yeah. a really great character. Um you know, it was I, I guess it, it's a fine setup. Obviously they are they are holding off on, on Becky Lynch right now. This was mm-hmm. like the second week in a row that they kept her off television, and you would assume like maybe she's going to be off for this at least for this pay-per-view cycle. Yeah, I I think you know, you can give her and Becky a little cooldown period and then bring them back eventually for for the the for the uh the uh third match of the trilogy this uh this uh this great trilogy that we've seen uh but i think like the easiest thing to do because this is an abusive power story is just have sonya name herself the challenger without all the rigmarole like we didn't need the smoke and mirrors uh leave that to cody Rhodes. Uh, like that that is the only part of this that i'm kind of iffy on but the match should be solid because i think sonya is underrated as an in-ring performer and i think her and bianca can do some really cool things together we go to the bachelorette party. 
Dana and Tamina have agreed to a truce tonight so they can enjoy the night. Los Lotharios appear and kiss both on the cheek. Nikki Ash appears. I've totally forgotten about Nikki Ash until she walked into the scene here. And she has brought strippers. But one of the strippers is actually a undercover referee. So they realize what the plot is here as she tries to roll up Dana Brooke to steal the title. Tamina sends Nikki across the bar right out of uh, Jake Hager and Hangman Page at Stadium Stampede. And then R-Truth shows up and gives a speech about how no one loved the 24-7 title more than him. It's the title that keeps us together and reveals that he is a, a certified minister and makes a double wedding for next week in Buffalo. I don't know if that's necessarily how, how weddings get, get set, is that the minister announces when they will get yes. married. And yes, that's when Jerry Lawler realized I've got some homework to do over these next seven days. <laughs> oh, and this is where I started booking an alternate universe version of this episode, John, because I was like, if we're going to go through the trouble of getting these, uh, you know, muscular male strippers for this segment, why not call that man Marcus Alexander Bagwell, who's hot on these Twitter streets right now? Like Buff Bagwell would have made this segment so much better for me personally. Uh, yeah, this whole 24-7 division is just kind of it's it's you know, you talked earlier about running a joke into the ground. This joke has been running to the ground so much that now it's starting to grow roots. Uh, you know, I think that our truth can be funny. Like, I think our truth is probably one of the best comedy characters they've had in the company's history. But this material, no, I don't think anybody could say this material outside of Buff Bagwell. Do you realize this 24-7 title? We're coming up on three years that wow. they have had this title in circulation. Backstage, Pierce tells DeVille it's an abuse of power. She says she's going to shock the world and tells Adam Pierce not to be jealous that I'm still in my prime. Just thinking, wow, how much low can she go? Maybe she would say, and you were also a poor drawing NWA champion. Yes. <laughs> really, really hit him below the belt. So dissension here between DeVille and Pierce. RK Bro come out, followed by Alpha Academy, and they insult Detroit for... Looking and sounding dumber than the last time that he was here. Lots of booze here for them. And they're not going to let the Usos come in and win the Raw Tag titles and leave. There were too many distractions at WrestleMania, including Gable Stevenson. He might have a gold medal. Big deal. I've got a gold freaking brain. And that takes us to RK Bro and Elf Academy. If ever there was a match, Nate, that if I just like missed and I could do the play-by-play for, and I don't think anyone would call me on it if I just pulled it all together... It's an RK Bro match. Like, they have their match mm-hmm. down. Mm-hmm. It's a very good match. I'm not going to complain. But it is like, you can close your eyes and envision how this goes. Heat on Riddle uh, after a released German. Uh, Otis splashed him. Then Gable goes after Orton on the apron. Gable comes off the top into a knee. And Riddle follows with a flying knee to Otis. Kicks Gable off. Hot tag to Orton. Does all of his trademark spots. Goes for the RKO, which Gable counters with a backslide. Kick out. RKO on the rebound and pins Gable. Yeah. Fine match. Solid match. I, I think I didn't know how much I was going to like alpha Academy. And I think they've done a really good job, particularly Gable, man. Like I, I didn't know Gable had this in him. Um, but yeah, like it's nothing we haven't seen before. Um, and we get at least one of these solid, Good, fine, RK, RK bro matches every week on this program. 
Yeah, a, g- a good match. And I agree with you. Like Alpha Academy, they, they found a role for themselves, and it was two people that were absolutely floundering. Yeah. Yes. The Usos arrive in the back. They come out with RK Bro still in the ring, and Orton says that the big dog let his bitches off the leash. We're going back two nicknames now. And the Usos state that they are the longest reigning SmackDown tag champions in history and challenge RK Bro to a championship unification match. Riddle says, just like the Avengers, where Thanos got all the stones and the Street Profits then interrupt the segment. They beat Alpha Academy last week, so they are next in line. The Usos are just using their bloodline privilege to cut the line. And Orton sets up the Street Profits against the Usos next, which would be our main event. And they announce for next week, Finn Balor against Theory, Naomi and Sasha Banks against Ripley and Liv Morgan, the double wedding, and a lie detector test. So look out, Buffalo. (laughs) A double wedding in Buffalo. Could you imagine? Uh, I I will have to imagine it, John, because I will not be joining you for that show. No, no, I don't know who is going to join me for that show next week. The Usos against the Street Profits. Uh, I, I'm going to uh, j- just put it out there. I was uh, scrambling to uh, to learn many things about uh, d- doing this whole uh, live show. So I, I missed uh, portions of this match, but I got the gist of it. So fill in any blanks you have, Nate. But we have RK-Bro at ringside, and uh, Dawkins ends up getting tossed into RK-Bro on the floor. So the Usos get into Orton and Riddle's face, and then Ford takes them out. That sets up the commercial. Uh, we fast forward, and there is a blockbuster by the Street Profits to Jimmy off the shoulders of Dawkins for a near fall. And then they got into a pretty intense sequence near the end uh, from the heavens to Jay. Jimmy then dives for the save. Dawkins is sent to the floor after he's posted and the Usos come back and hit the one and done onto Ford and they get the pin. We have the Usos and RK bro in the ring, each lifting their their belts slash titles. And Dawkins then charges at Riddle. Ford is struggling into the ring. So he eats an RKO. Orton then turns around, double super kick and the Usos stand strong. And obviously we're going to RK bro and the Usos uh, to uh, unify the tag titles. I thought this was a very solid way to end the show, John. Like the match obviously was great. Um, I think any combination of these three teams, you're going to get a really good match. Uh, I like the bit at the end where the Usos got the upper hand. You know, the, the, the finish of the match was never in question because you don't set up the whole deal from SmackDown with Roman sending his troops out and then undercut it the the very next show. Uh but that being said, I thought uh the Street Profits look good, particularly Ford, man. Like I think it's it's only a matter of time, John, and I'm I'm kind of cautious whenever I talk about the Street Profits because I think Ford is a main event level star in the making. And I think Dawkins Dawkins is gonna have a role too. I, th- I think Dawkins has improved a lot, like quietly. Yeah. I know a lot of the attention is on Ford, but I think Dawkins like he's to, to me elevated to um yeah. being in this tag situation. So like I I'm I'm excited for like whenever they do split this team off, but I don't want to see it yet cuz mm-hmm. they're so good together. Um I want to see thing- this heel run that they've been been teasing. Yes. I think that would be great experience for them before they do the, the like it's inevitable that they will do the breakup of a team yeah. in WWE, but get get that heel run. Get like 6 months as heels and then then go that direction. The only thing about all of this that I kind of am trepidatious about is unifying the titles because it's I feel like there we're going to have a lot of teams floundering around like not doing anything once this these titles are unified and the, the Usos presumably uh get them like 
there's a there's some there's some talented teams out here. We saw four of them tonight in this final segment that are going to have nothing to fight for, man. Like because you can only you can only have one contender at a time in this company. Imagine if we just had some great stories to uh to, to mm. pass around. I, I'm I'm in favor of like less titles the better. Um mm. but we'll also see if these uh stay unified or not. But that was uh that was raw. What uh did you completely regret doing this show? Not completely, John, only slightly. Uh I feel like like the 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 parts that were good, like the beginning, the middle, and then the end. Um it it was like we had some really good bread. We had some really fresh, you know, deli meat, but then like the lettuce was, was stale. The mayonnaise was expired. The cheese had a little bit of mold on it. So everything surrounding like the good parts with Cody and with, uh, the tag stuff, it, it kind of fell flat. MVP, uh, and almost I, I did like his promo in that segment, but there was a lot of filler and a lot of fluff on this show. And yes, uh, I'm, I'm glad that uh, we took this journey together, John, but. I definitely would not be on that road to Buffalo with you. Nate is the most polite man in the world who basically said, yeah, I got food poisoning, but I'm still going to leave a tip. <laughs> I mean, it's common courtesy. <laughs> so yes. Thank you very much, Nate. I'm not a savage, John. I got, I got have respect uh, for, for what I was served tonight. Well, we have a, a few uh, super chats and some feedback to get to. First one here from Fact Channel, who just says it's always great to see Brother Nate. And I think everyone uh, listening to this will, will agree. Whenever, whenever I can, I, I know to, uh, to spread out my requests uh, of Nate, especially when it, when it comes to Ron. He was uh, a good sport to, to join me tonight. And then from, uh, from Jared Black, uh, Nate. Send these funds on to Braxton and the Smart Marks. Peace and uh, love. Do, do you know what uh, Braxton and, and the Smart Marks are up to like the, this time of the year? I really only hear from them usually once a year. Yeah, I, I, I think they may be in protocol right now, uh, or maybe they're <laughs> hanging out with Rey Mysterio. Uh, we, we could not locate them, but, but yes, they, the last time I talked to Braxton, he said they were working on something for, for this upcoming holiday season. So uh, stay tuned for that, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Uh, one, I, I just wanted to, uh, earlier today when we did the post daily news show, Jake, uh, from the Windy City, he sent in a super chat that I, uh, did not get to at the end of the show. So I thought we, we'd throw it out here. And he was just talking about FTR, uh, being baby faces now. And what mm. would you do in terms of their alignment with MJF and the pinnacle? Uh, do, does FTR, or do, I guess, does MJF turn on FTR? And I'd just be curious, like, your own thoughts about the, this last week uh, for FTR with those two stellar matches and what they've kind of, um, in a weird way, sort of backdoored their way into with FTR as these really tremendous baby faces. Yeah, like, they, we, we all knew they were great uh, bell to bell, but I feel like, for whatever reason, it's just clicked with them. Uh, it it reminds me, and of course, it reminds me because the you know the FTR is you know they've made allusions to this team, but it reminds me of when the uh, Eaton and Lane Midnight Express mm. were baby faces back in uh, the NWA. I want to say like eighty eight, eighty nine, some somewhere around there. Right, and it's like this team that you've been hating all this time is now you know on the on the on the right side of history. Uh, I like it a lot. I think, man, there's so many great tag teams in that company. Uh, so yeah, I, I love to see a babyface version of this team mix it up. Uh, the thing with uh, MJF, like, I feel like part of MJF's story is what does this man do when everything around him that he's built up to protect himself is taken away? What you know, what what does Max do then? So I feel like yeah, like they're going to 
slowly peel away everything that he has around him. And yeah, then, then we're going to see. Um, yeah, I, I, I really am digging what FTR is doing right now, man. You know, it'd be a great tie in is if FTR, it's like, since they've come to AEW, they haven't really gone back and watched a lot of the stuff, and they put in uh, a copy of that first Double or Nothing, and there is Bret Hart, their hero in the ring, and who interrupts them? But mm. MJF, who comes out, and and uh, they realize that their leader has disrespected their god. <laughs> uh, Mike Stevenson sending a, a $10 super chat. Thank you very much, Mike. We appreciate it. And we have uh, two pieces of feedback here to, to Ross, so we'll quickly go through these. Steve writes in, Cody was known in AEW for using insider terms, like saying that he would never turn heel. That being said, if you would have told me that 10 days into the Cody run in WWE, he would be having interview segments with The Miz, arguing about titles versus belts, I'd be dumbfounded. Tuned in live for the first time to see Nate live. You're both killing it, as always. So, Steve, look at Nate. Nate, expanding the audience here tonight. Uh, you know, I'm the Cody Rhodes of, of this program, I guess. Just bringing new eyeballs to the screen. And Jay from Colorado. Not much of note, except that Cody's entrance is infinitely better now. Sad mm. to see the Cody Vader go. Um, yes, we, we did not get the... Uh, I guess that maybe will depend on the, the arena or maybe the, the spectacle of event yeah. where we get the, the Cody Vader. I mean, they made up for it in Pyro, though. I mean, my God. Is it too much? Or do you think this is going to be the norm now for, for the Cody entrance? Like, it was... I, <laughs> like, they were even calling it out on TV. Like, okay, this, this is a little much. Yeah. I, like, when he first comes out, like, we get the pyro run. Like, okay, cool. But when he's halfway down the ramp and oh, we're still goodness. getting pyro, it's like, come come on, come on. You can save that for the big events. Yes, yes. The 4th of July could be a <laughs> weekly event. He says... uh his entrance last week uh, was comical. The smoke effect on this one is cool, and I like how he pops into existence with the pyro. He needed to keep an entrance that makes him feel like a big star, and this works well. He certainly feels like a huge star, and yeah. when he comes out, he has that presence about him, and that's something sorely needed like uh, uh, in, in the company at, at this moment, like a big baby-faced star. And I think they very much want to position him as almost like your, your next Cena. Like, I really believe like they want him to have that kind of a role and maybe he's going to get pro and negative responses, but he is going to be like your, your kind of like your true North of, of this programming. Yeah. And I'm, again, I'm really intrigued to see how long the honeymoon lasts. Like, is this something where we've got a short shelf life on the popularity of Cody or is this something that is gaining momentum? And could he could he become even more popular than this by the time you know we we ramp up the title chase? So I've you know obviously I'm a big fan of Cody Rhodes, and I think he was the guy to make this kind of seamless transition because this is who Cody Cody's always been like a guy that could kind of straddle the line of that aw that indie style and that wwe style and yeah I, I feel like this version of cody is is a really really good version of cody it's it's getting over with the fans man it's it's hard like it's hard i know there's some people out there that that might have disparaging words about Devonte, but to me that says more about you than about cody rhodes man because i'm i'm a, i'm a jaded fan john pollock i'm a jaded viewer and Cody Rhodes makes me smile when he comes out here and talks about his daddy last week. And when he's out here, you know, just enjoying the, that, that the Miz TV segment this week, man, it's, it's fun. And it's brought a breath of fresh air, I think, into this company, which 
can tend to get a bit stale, particularly like after WrestleMania is over. And we're can, kind can of you imagine the show tonight, Nate? Like, yep. take take out Cody from from tonight's show and look yep. at what they had to. Now, granted, like there was obviously at least in Rhea Ripley's case, someone not available, maybe others, but nonetheless, yeah, like you get the point. Cody is so integral to the mm-hmm. interest. He was the only, to me, like major interest for tonight's show for somebody. Yeah, Cody's a, Cody's a star. And like, and this is no disrespect to the other men and women on the roster, but Cody feels special. And that's a rare thing in this company. So they need to take advantage of it while that feeling is still there. Yeah. And it's proof positive of when we have this kind of environment where somebody that is, you know, has done pretty much what they can do in AEW. He comes over. It was the right move for him. He feels fresh here. Maybe that'll be different in six months, but you cannot deny that it's been it's been a big success, and he feels completely rejuvenated now in a different setting, and that's that's a big plus for others that to take note from as well. So that is going to uh, bring to an end. Rewind a raw. I want to thank Nate as always for joining me, and uh, I know that the people they cannot get enough of Nate Milton. And where else can they go check out your fine work? Yes, thank you for having me, John. This has been fun, man. Uh, always a good time to catch up with you, brother. Um, and and shout out to brother Ting out there who uh, who was hanging out with Ray Mysterio and Braxton Witherspoon as well. That's right. Um, he's in he's in the six one nine. If you want more from me, uh, there's a myriad of platforms you can check me out on. First and foremost, staying here at home with Post. Uh, in addition to the archives of the Rocky Mountain Via Picture Show. Uh, and you never know when uh, that show might pop up again. Uh, maybe in October, hint, hint, around a certain movie. Uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's all I'm going to say about that. But uh, Rocky Mountain Via Picture Show archives are up, as well as the Nubian Wrestling Advocates. And the next episode of that show should be out not not this week, but the following week or the week after that. Like, I, 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 my, my calendar's all over the place, John. Stay tuned. It's, the, the, it's coming this month. The, uh, the people will accept it whenever it drops. Yes. <laughs> uh, but, yes, that's with myself, the Professor Chris from L.A., and Andrew Thompson, uh, one of the hardest-working brothers I know. And, and so, yeah, so we don't know what we're going to talk about yet. Like, we're sure we'll, we'll talk about some of the ripple effects from WrestleMania. Uh, I'm sure we'll get into another round of uh, uh, almost uh, talk. Uh, because I'm, I'm trying to bring Chris over, trying to convert him to the right side of history, John, and, and join me and the rest of the homo sapiens out here. Uh, we, we trying to support this man. Uh, the last place you can find me is at the Kings of Sport. And we are coming up on a milestone here, John Pollock, mm-hmm. our 300th episode of that program. And I can announce, I do have this date down in my calendar. Uh, we will be going live on April the 21st. Uh, so, Next Thursday, uh, from, yeah, next Thursday, from 4 to 6 uh, p.m. Eastern Time, uh, it'll be myself, uh, confirmed right now, Chris from L.A., Rich Fan from Pro Wrestling Torch, uh, Jamie Robinson from Mr. Throwback Thursday, and then we've got like a myriad of unconfirmed guests that may pop up within that two-hour span. Uh, so uh, check that out and celebrate uh, 300 episodes of the Kings of Sport with us. Uh, if you would like to support the show, if you'd like to support me, uh, hit up, hit up the Patreon, patreon.com backslash the Kings of Sport, where five bucks gets you in the door. Um, you know, there's over 200 hours of content on there. Uh, Marvel reviews, political shows, uh, just lots of stuff up there, man, for the, for the good people out there. Uh, but for everything else, man, just check me out on Twitter at in the number eight, M O Z A I K at Nate Mosaic on Twitter. And, uh, with that, John Pollock, much like an Ikea couch thrown out of the ring by Bobby Lashley. 
I toss it back to you. Well, I cannot do a better job than that than signing off for everybody. I will be back on Tuesday live at 1 Eastern with the Post Daily News Show. I'm going to be joined by Brian Solomon, who was the managing editor of uh, WWE Magazine and their whole host of magazines uh, during the 2000s. And he is putting out a new book called Blood and Fire, uh, a biography on Ed Farhat, the original Sheik. So we'll be talking about uh, his time in WWE and the Sheik, one of the all-time great heels. and ironically enough, uh, most famous because he was out of Detroit. So a tie-in to tonight's show. So that's coming up at 1 Eastern. Uh, we've got up next on Tuesday night with Braden and Davey. And then Wednesday night, I'll be back with Rewind to Dynamite. Full schedule this week. Uh, so check out all of that at postwrestling.com. And that is going to wrap it up. Thank you for tuning in to Rewind to Raw.